Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word.
This morning, there is a passage that I want us to share from the book of Second Chronicles. We're going to the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 7, 11 through 16. I will be reading this passage in the New International Version. In verse 11 through verse 16, we find these words. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Amen? I want to preach this morning from this passage. And the thought that I want to share is the fix for a flawed faith. The fix for a flawed faith. While using... My laptop recently, I saw a warning when I turned it on and the screen appeared. The warning said, your computer is at risk. At that moment, I realized that I had failed to download the firewall, anti-spam, and virus protection coverages that I had recently secured by renewing my protection agreement for the personal computers that Judy and I have at home. When I downloaded the internet protection package, what appeared on the screen once the laptop assessed that data was simply a prompt that said, click the button that says, fix it. I clicked the button and after a restart, all of the prompts indicated that my laptop was fully covered. Solomon succeeded his father David as king of the Israelite nation. When he could have asked God for fame and fortune, for wealth and for worth, for power, prestige, and position, he chose to ask God for the wisdom, the wisdom to lead his people. In this passage, the wisdom of this sagacious sovereign The wisdom of Solomon is in full view as he leads his people in praise and worship at the dedication of the temple. 
It is a glorious and it is a grand time. But as we zoom into the text, he is passionately praying for protection coverage for the people and the nation against the perils that they would face. He prays that they might be protected against calamity, against enemy attack, captivity, the unfair and unjust treatment of strangers in their midst and even disobedience. He wanted to assure that no matter what happened, no matter what their historical experience would be beyond this place and point, that any significant spiritual crisis or contingency would be covered. Perhaps he recognized in his own life the possibility of flowing futility and failure. We have in this text a fix for a flawed faith. And when I ask the text the question, what constitutes such a fix? Do you not know four things emerge? First of all, there is the assurance of the presence of God. God meets and God greets his people in this text and in this larger context with the radiance of his glory. When chapter 7 began, the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord fills the temple. At the end of the passage that we have just read in our text today, God promises Israel that his name would be with them forever. And that my eyes and my heart will always be there. I don't know about you, but that sounds like presence to me. And I want to say today, on this Independence Day, on the day when we reflect about our own national legacy and the challenges that are facing us, that the starting point for repairing and restoring anything flawed is the assurance of the presence of God. If you're here today and you're dealing with the vestiges of a flawed life, flawed marriage, flawed family, flawed vocation, flawed community, and we all are experiencing the consequences of a flawed nation. It all begins with the assurance. I'm talking about the fix now. It all begins with the assurance of the presence of God. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord was so powerful, so present that day that if you read verse 1, it said the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord. Where is God today? Where is God's glory today? 
I want to tell you that he has not left us. He has not left us to our designs or our devices. God is still. If he wasn't, there would be no hope for America. No hope for us. But God is still on the throne. Our ancestors had it right. I woke up this morning with Jesus on my mind. He doesn't dwell in buildings or temples anymore, but he lives in the hearts and lives of his people. That's why Paul wrote to the Colossians and gave them a new paradigm. He says, Christ in you. Colossians 1.27, the hope of glory. The Shekinah glory that led Israel from the outside leads the child of God from the inside. America is not devoid of a conscience today because God still lives. He's present because he lives in the lives of his people. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he was fond of quoting a poem by James Russell Lowell. It's called The Present Crisis. And when I've heard excerpts of Dr. King quoting Lowell or read it in the numerous works about this great drum major for justice, I'm assured that as he was facing the daunting dangerous and difficult challenges of leading the movement in the 60s. He knew that neither he nor the people were alone. Lowell wrote, careless seems a great avenger. History pages but record one deaf grapple in the darkness twixt old systems in the word. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffolds sways the future and behind this dim unknown stands God watching over, watching over his own. The assurance of the presence of God. But there's a second fix for a flawed faith, a second movement, and that is the affirmation of the people of God. If you read verses 12 through 16 of chapter 7, 10 times in these verses, the pronoun my or one of its derivatives is used. This recurrence, this redundancy, this repetition is strikingly obvious in verse 14. When the unique calling of the children of Israel is accentuated and affirmed by God. He says, if my other text would be grammatically consistent, syntactically sound without my in it, but he says, if my people, which are called by my name, it was Israel's unique dignity that God had confirmed and affirmed in Moses, shortly after the Exodus, that God had a special calling for his people. 
Listen to Exodus 19, 5 through 6. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And so in this passage, in its larger context, the fate and future of the nation of Israel was tied to the attitudes and actions of the covenant people of God. While America as a nation has veered off course morally and spiritually, it is important to remember that 54 of the 57 signers of the Declaration of Independence were Christians who believed the Word of God and believed that Jesus Christ could change a person's life. And I have to believe that when, when they wrote about what we've been endowed with, certain, I believe the wording is, inalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, they weren't talking about a movie by Will Smith. But they understood that life Liberty and the pursuit of happiness ultimately is intertwined with a relationship. It's about a relationship to Jesus Christ. And all through his history, America has been blessed with a Christian conscience and the presence of a Christian community. Be careful calling us a Christian nation. But there is a Christian presence. There's a Christian presence. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And we're not the world. If we are, this world's in trouble. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing Oh, I might be a citizen of America, and I'm proud of that, but I'm a child. I'm a child of the king. And this old world is not my home. I'm just a stranger. And some glad morning, when life is over, we're not saving ourselves and we're not the world there is in this text God reminded Solomon you're different you're my people and when God puts my on anything and in Matthew 16 18 that's why the church gonna be all right upon this rock I will build he didn't say the church. That's no indefinite article in the Greek text. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And because it's mine, the gates of hell shall not prevail. So the second part of the fix is the affirmation of the people of God. The first one is the assurance of the presence of God. I asked the text the question again. A third thing emerged, the appropriation of the pardon of God. The appropriation of the pardon of God. The pardon of God. 
in the next move of this passage, God assures Solomon that there is a fix for a flawed faith because of the means and methods available for the appropriation of the pardon of God. In his infinite wisdom, God looked down through the aeons of time and he saw Israel's disobedience and he provided a way back for them. He provided a path that would eventuate in pardon, in forgiveness, in restoration and healing. If I had time to preach it this morning, just this part of the text, I would call it prerequisites for pardon. He said, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then, <laughs> he said, humble themselves, pray, seek my faith, turn from their wicked ways. Then, then, when you humble yourself, when you pray, when you seek his face, turn from your wicked ways. Then, ain't got nothing to do with how long you pray. How eloquent you pray. When you humble, when you seek, when you pray, when you turn, then, do I have a witness? Then I will hear your prayers. It was not just a formula for then, but because God is unchanging. It's a formula for right now. Some of y'all didn't get that piece. I said it repeatedly because I wanted you to hear it. I believe revival is still possible for our country. We can move in another direction. But the fourth movement is the anticipation of the promise of God. He says, I will heal their land. I want you to understand, I had to struggle with this part of the text because this is one of the rare places where God talks about healing real estate. And what you got to be careful of is allegorizing this text and trying to apply it too quickly to some New Testament fulfillment. What you have to understand is that God has a plan for Israel. And when he said to Solomon, I will heal your land, he was saying it in the context of his promise to David that there will never be a time when the throne of David will not be inhabited or occupied by one of his descendants. My brother and sisters, God keeps his word. He keeps his word. Now, when we look at the nation of Israel, in its modern state, we have to say that the land is not healed. But I want you to know that the implications 
of this part of the text is far-reaching. Israel and Palestine is still the object of ancient hostilities and strife. But God keeps his word. He said, I will heal your land. I have to believe that God's promises to Israel will be fulfilled. And there's going to come a messianic age when the lamb will lie down with the lion. And there'll be no more fighting and no more bloodshed. But I want you to know that don't stop me from celebrating this morning. Because this text reminds me that it's already been fixed. 2,000 years ago, God downloaded a program for antivirus protection. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.